Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are incredibly excited today because we're going to be talking about a subject near and dear to our hearts, uh, the XM Bank. And we have Steve Renna, who is the Chief Banking Officer of the Export-Import Bank of the United States. Lou, this should be an exciting show. We had a great pre-show call with Steve, so uh, that went so well. We wish it was the show. Uh, maybe we should do that from now on, tell people this is just a free show and really recorded. But anyway, uh, Steve, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, uh, we've been wanting to get XM Bank on for some time. And uh, now that you're fully uh, operational, I know you had some uh, uh, administrative issues that uh, XM Bank couldn't totally function in their uh, designated roles of loaning money to business to help export. And yeah. I think that that probably says it all. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here with you. I, I also want to second the fact that our pre-call discussion was very stimulating and looking forward to, to this call now. And yes, Lou, to your point, uh, we were not fully engaged for almost up to four years at the Exxon Bank because of some quorum issues with our board of directors, but we are reauthorized in our charter. Our board of directors is fully functional, and we have been and are operating at full speed. Well, I think it may be one of the, the administration's agencies that is fully operational. Not to talk politics, however. <laughs> We keep our heads down and do our thing, Lou. <laughs> I, I got you. Uh, Steve, I wonder if you could share with our listeners what the XM Bank is and does. I think it's such an important opportunity for manufacturers across the United States to export, and it's not as difficult as they may think. So if you could give them kind of a synopsis of the XM Bank, that would be terrific to start us out. Yes, Tim, great great question to lead with. Uh, and just for your audience so they understand, the purpose of the XM Bank is to support U.S. exports by providing a financing solution to the export transaction. The way generally that we provide this financing solution is through a uh, credit enhancement, and often in the form of a guarantee, that we provide into the transaction, which enhances the credit status of either the foreign buyer or the exporter, and thus enables the transaction to go forward. So we, we're here to help make sure that financing is not a reason why exports cannot go forward. Uh, so we have, so for your audience to understand, with that general mission statement that we have and how we do it, there are basically 
two main verticals in which we operate, in which we have different products. One of those verticals is to provide credit support to a foreign buyer of a U.S. export. The situation there will be you have a foreign company or a foreign country wants to buy exports from a U.S. exporter, and they're going through their bank and finding that their credit worthiness is creating financial difficulties for them. They cannot get the credit support that they need. In those instances, the Exxon Bank, after doing our due diligence, can provide a guarantee to the foreign buyer's bank that enhances the foreign buyer's credit standing because basically says if the foreign buyer doesn't pay you, lender, we will. Okay? And that, so that facilitates uh, export transactions from the foreign buyer's perspective. We also have scenarios in which we provide direct support to the exporter itself through working capital loans, through export credit insurance, and through letters of credit guarantees. Again, all using essentially the U.S. government guarantee uh, to provide, in this case, to the lender of the U.S. exporter uh, credit support on behalf of the exporter. So that's generally how, how we operate. You know, one of the things that, uh, and I, I've been in, in the metals industry for upwards of 50 years, and uh, probably about uh, 40 of those years I, I've been exporting. Uh, and then there were, along the way, the, the, the various administrations put in certain incentives for U.S. companies to uh, export goods or to attempt to export goods. There was the uh, Frieza, not Frieza, Pfizer, uh, uh, I think. Pfizer, right, right. And then there was a, there was a second one, which I think still exists. But the point is that. Uh, you know, especially now in, in this middle of COVID, companies are obviously having uh, issues and problems uh, in creating, getting orders, creating orders, getting the goods. You know, dealing with the supply chain. It's, it's a real, it's a real wild west uh, mad madman show out there. Uh, and you know, one of the issues is that uh, you know, from our standpoint as a manufacturer, is to um, open my market, get into bigger markets. How do you do that? You go export. And that's the whole idea that I think that I, I've been uh, uh, proposing for years to uh, my friendly competitors that you've got to export. Uh, you know, get yourself an agent, get a hold of the uh, Department of Commerce, get a hold of uh, uh, XM Bank, and effectively create an extension of yourself. So uh, I, I, I lay that up to you, and uh, how correct or incorrect is my uh, view on that? Lou, your, your assessment is spot on, and I worked at the Commerce Department before I came over here to Exxon, so I understand how the Commerce Department works and also to facilitate companies that want to export. Right. In order to give exporters confidence to pursue these markets that you're talking about, Lou, outside of the United States so they can grow their company. So there are two main things that exporters face when they're looking to expand their markets overseas, 
uh, and that can can uh, you know cause them to hesitate in, in pursuing that those opportunities. The first is, well, what happens if I don't get paid? I can't you know spend time going to another country, working through another country, uh, you know, legal system to try to get paid. Uh, and secondly, I need working capital to be able to fulfill the export orders that I have. How do I get that? So let's go back to payment. Well, what the U.S. Exim Bank provides to exporters that are concerned about payment risk is export credit insurance. Basically, you buy a policy from us that says, if the foreign buyer does not pay you, we will pay you, the Exim Bank. So we want to take out of the equation the concern of payment risk that could limit a company's willingness to look abroad to expand its markets. Secondly, with respect to working capital, so if you're a company like yours, Lou, that's in the metals forging business, if you have an opportunity for an order in another country, well, you need the working capital uh, in order to fulfill that order. And often, a bank that you would go to in the U.S. for that working capital loan would, might be looking at those foreign buyers and saying, we're not sure we want to take on that payment risk of those foreign buyers. So uh, we're uncomfortable, Lou, making a working capital loan to you unless you can get a, an XM guarantee to the working capital loan. So in that situation, you, apply, you and the bank apply to XM, and XM can provide a guarantee to the bank on your behalf. So in the event that you don't repay your working capital loan, XM Bank will repay it up to 90%. So with export credit insurance and working capital loan support, we're hoping to give exporters uh, the tools and the confidence that they need to pursue markets abroad. Okay, so then the next component of uh, the next chapter of what you do, and, and my questions tend to be long to get to the point, so bear with me. So my my bank, uh, if I want to get a loan, I got to submit three years worth of reference, uh, three years worth of income tax returns. I got to submit a DMV report. I got to submit this, and I got to give them references. And you know, now the, the opportunity that I have to sell overseas is uh, 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 time is beginning to eat up. And uh, at the end of a, a month's worth of uh, interaction with your bank. Uh, they either say yay or nay, but now my customer went away. So my question is, how long does it take to go through the process? Is it speedy or is it typical bank bureaucracy uh, and uh, all the uh, intricacies of evidence and so on? Is it easier? Is the well, question. you know, Lou, we do, we do have to underwrite whoever it is we're providing the export credit on behalf of. So we're going through the underwriting process with the bank. We work closely with the bank. I don't, I can't say because it, it may be a facts and circumstances type of issue from one transaction to the next exactly how long it takes. But I think I can say this with confidence. And what I will say is that when a bank knows that XM 
is there to provide a guarantee that's going to provide them with 90% de-risking on its working capital loan to your company, Lou, that's going to smooth things out quite a bit, right? I so, uh, you know, I mean, obviously the bank's going to have a lot, uh, a lot of incentive on up to 90% of the, of the risk to, to make that loan. And so right. I think that should smooth the process as opposed to if you were just dealing with the bank on your own based on your own credit worthiness without any kind of excellent uh, credit support to it. So you're like the gold key to the money box. <laughs> well, we do have underwriting <laughs> standards. You know, we have to, we have to, we right. are a bank ourselves and we have to go through the underwriting process. So I can't say that. Uh, you know, that, that understood. Not. Understood. But you have a different incentive. Your, one of your incentives, aside from doing all the things that you just mentioned, is to increase export sales. Absolutely. And not to be a de- not to be a deterrent to export sales, but to be a, uh, uh, a promoter of, and that certainly Absolutely. helps our ba- that helps our government's balance of payments, uh, and I would think that uh, would enhance our uh, credit standing in the world, even though our standing in the world right now is not so so stellar, but. In normal times, uh, I would think that uh, the American dollar still holds a lot of weight. Uh, Absolutely. Our mission statement is to facilitate U.S. exports by providing financing solutions. So I don't like to use the word promote because it sounds like we're, you know, advocating for a specific company, but (laughs) we we facilitate the export. That's what we do. Uh, okay. And by the way, I, I, you know, I have tried, I actually was just overseas just two weeks ago, and uh, have in my time at Exxon Bank and also as my time as an appointee and working for Secretary Roth at Commerce Department, traveled around the world. And let me tell you, the United States is a very strong standing around the world in business. They all want to do business with us. Well, that, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Uh, Ross is. Steve, uh, Ross is clearly uh, Secretary. Ross is clearly a uh, a businessman who knows what he's doing. He certainly does. Steve, uh, there is a a possible step. Maybe it's the likely step before the manufacturer goes to the export bank to get help from you fo- you folks, and that is to identify the prospective customers overseas. And that is executed or facilitated by the Department of Commerce, and you folks have, I think, a, a pretty open working relationship with Department of Commerce and their trade desks. Is that right? Absolutely. We have a very synergistic working relationship with the Department of Commerce uh, with respect to, to uh, each having our respective roles in facilitating exports. So the Commerce Department can provide an exporter with what they call its gold key service, which is for a very minimal uh, fee, can help introduce to exporters uh, participants in markets around the world and also an understanding of those markets so that they're not trying to enter a market blind but the Commerce Department can provide them with, one, a lot of information about a country and its marketplace, but also introductions and connectivity to the proper either uh, 
partners in those countries that you might need or uh, participants and customers in those countries and government officials. Uh, Steve, in view of the fact that uh, COVID is uh, running rampant around the world and it looks like Europe is beginning to uh, pump up again, um, has is the COVID at all, uh, and I'm, I'm sure, well, I'm not so sure, uh, has COVID affected uh, your business environment in supplying loans for, let's say, European or South American business? Well, in times in which you have uh, credit retrenchment, as you do now during COVID, as we did during the liquidity crisis in 2008-2009, that's when Exxon's role is more important because as commercial banks and other lenders uh, recede from the marketplace, we're called upon to fill more and more of that gap. So we're busier than ever, and in addition to just naturally being busier in times of credit constraint, we have also put together some products to respond to COVID. And I think it would be valuable for your audience to understand what those products are because they're really mostly focused on getting as much liquidity as possible into the domestic exporter community. Uh, The first of those, as I mentioned in my previous comments, working capital loans, and that we can provide a guarantee up to 90% for a working capital loan. Well, one, the eligible borrowing base under our normal working capital loan uh, requirements is the essentially the accounts receivable that you have uh, for, for your exports. But we've broadened that under our COVID relief to also include any eligible uh, inventory that you have that potentially could support exports. So what we've done is we've broadened the eligible collateral base that the exporter can use to get a working capital loan guarantee. And we've increased the guarantee amount from 90% to 95%. You can still get it at 90 but you can also get it at 95%. Pricing is a little more expensive at 95% because we are covering more risk, but that is available. And I will tell you, we have had many uh, U.S. exporters contacting us and applying for these working capital loans. A lot of companies that normally don't knock on Exxon's door because they can get the funding that they need from commercial lenders, but as I said, commercial lenders are, you know, they're, they're reeling in their credit, and so companies that normally would have the credit they needed from a commercial lender don't, and they're coming to us. So we've broadened and enhanced our working capital loan, and we've also kind of reintroduced a new product, and that is for the supply chain to U.S. exporters. So Lou and, and Tim, as you know now, under this COVID uh, depressed economy, suppliers have lost a good part of their own revenue stream and they've lost access to credit. So they're kind of are reeling from a one-two punch. And they have 
uh, accounts receivable that they're holding from an exporter where they've provided that exporter with goods or services, but that exporter said, you know, we'll pay you in 60 days or 90 days. And these are long payment terms when you're in the situation that many suppliers are smaller or medium-sized companies uh, in this COVID environment. They need cash now. So a supply chain uh, facility is one in which the exporter's bank sets up a facility whereby the suppliers to the exporter can present their accounts receivable immediately to the bank for payment. They don't have to wait the payment terms that the exporter has in their transaction. There's a fee for that that the bank charges, but essentially this provides supply chain finance provide the supply chain with that infusion of capital that they need. Now, however, during the COVID crisis, credit extension for supply chain facilities has also contracted. So in order to help these supply chain facilities continue to operate, the Exim Bank is providing the bank with a guarantee to its supply chain facility so it will go forward and provide the supply chain payments to these suppliers. So by working capital loan and supply chain finance guarantees, we are infusing liquidity into the exporter and its supply chain community. And to date, uh, Lou and Tim, we have approved transactions at about $2 billion worth of this kind of cash infusion domestically since COVID. That's uh, that's significant. So if I if I'm a manufacturer, do I go to my bank first and say I want to get an XM Bank guarantee and export insurance, or do I go to XM Bank and then you redirect us? It can go either way. In the end, the bank needs to be involved with us. So you could go to your right. bank and find out that your bank's not going to be comfortable making working capital loan without XM, or you can offer to the bank, hey, can we can arrange an XM guarantee potentially? And then we work with hundreds of banks, Lou. And if we haven't worked with the bank before, we can easily get on board with uh, them understanding our program. And as long as you put us in touch with your bank or your, or your bank is putting us in touch with you, it, that's, it's all going to happen that way. Hey, for our audience's sake, why don't you give us the URL to reach out uh, directly? Because I know me, I would, I would go. I'd want to check out XM Bank. You know, if you're the yeah. greatest thing since sliced bread, I'd want to talk to the baker. <laughs> so, uh, www.xmexim.gov, and right there you'll be able to see our different products that we have and also be able to connect with, uh, with, with people on our team that can answer your questions. And also, uh, for going back to I mentioned export credit insurance, a, uh, a lot of our export credit insurance policies are sold through brokers. So we have a broker network out there that uh, insurance or insurance, uh, export credit insurance that understands our product as well. Right, right. All right. Uh, what, one of the things I want to mention, Steve, and I want to give a shout out to some of the to one of the people on your staff who's been incredibly helpful. Kelsey Coburg has been terrific in helping us put together this interview. There are two places 
because I asked Kelsey, where does a manufacturer go? What do they do? How do they get a hold of XM? And she gave me two pieces of information that I want to share with our listeners. The 800 number, which is 800-565-3946. And the email address of finance at xmexim.gov. So you can send an email and make a phone call. That's correct. So, Steve, you know, are I, I, there any documents, uh, primers, or they call it primers, uh, that uh, manufacturers can get their hands on to kind of get an overview of the products you offer and the steps they should take? Yes, uh, we have lots of that on uh, XM.gov, and if that's not enough information, uh, you can send us email at the finance.gov uh, email address or call the, call the 800 number that you just gave out. Uh, just come through any door you, you know that you can find, right. and we'll, we'll open it and, and get you to the right place. Uh, Steve, yeah. we really appreciate you being on with us. One of the things I want to share with our listeners, by the way, is that you may have heard X or you may have heard Y. Our research indicates, and I think it's accurate, that the XM Bank is one of the operations of the federal government that's profitable and actually contributes to the treasury. Is that accurate, Steve? Yes, and uh, because we are told by Congress how much of the money that we make we can keep and the rest of it gets remitted to treasury. So we make our money by charging fees on a transaction and uh, the interest rates are are very low, but we get interest income as well. We get no appropriation from Congress. We have to earn all the money we need to operate by doing transactions and getting the fee income from that. Uh, and anything above the fee income that we are allowed to keep by Congress, we remit to Treasury. And I think over the last 15 years or so, that's amounted to over $9 billion. So you're and that's not counting the economic impact of the exports themselves. So hey, this is actual cash to the Treasury that the Exim Bank has provided. We cost the taxpayers nothing to operate, and we contribute money. And those those exports generate jobs at companies who are exporting jobs that weren't there before. So you're also contributing to pluses in the labor pool. And I certainly would encourage our listeners to get a hold of XM at finance at XM.gov because your competitor is exporting. They're looking at those overseas markets. So if you want to maintain a competitive stance, you probably should be working with the Department of Commerce and the XM Bank to help your business grow. Steve, anything else you want to share with our audience as we wrap up this segment? Um, I think we we have covered a lot of ground there. I'll just throw out one more thing that we can do uh, to help an exporter in that in, often in exporting transactions, the foreign buyer doesn't pay the exporter directly, but the foreign buyer uh, gets a letter of credit from its bank, and that letter of credit is presented to the exporter's bank. So the exporter is often getting paid by its own domestic bank based on its domestic bank's acceptance of the letter of credit from the foreign buyer's bank. Uh, 
what we can do also with our guarantee ability is that there are times when the exporter's bank is simply not comfortable with the credit risk of the foreign buyer's bank. That letter of credit is, you know, just got some risk to it itself. In that case, we also have exporters' banks asking us for guarantees on those letters of credit. Again, another way in which we can facilitate the deal from, uh, make the deal ha happen with uh, facilitating the finance. So I just wanted to put that out there as, a, as yet another yeah. tool that we have. Before, before we wrap this up, there is one thing that I, I'd like to bring up. Um, I remember, uh, I mean, we do exports now, but we do it differently in terms of uh, credit to clients. Uh, and so we used to do letters of credit, uh, actually many years ago. And as I remember, they were the most cumbersome, most difficult, the most sometimes idiotic uh, documents that you had to fill out for a bank. And if they issued a letter of credit, and if they put a dot in, in the wrong place, and if the, the person who's looking to get paid doesn't put in the same wrong dot, you don't get paid, and they charge you for fixing and so on. And they get very expensive. My understanding, and here's the question part, my understanding that doing letters of credit today in the digital world has changed immensely, making it a lot simpler for the uh, requester of credit. Does that, uh, does that hold up? Well, we, yes, we certainly hope that's the case. I mean, the private sector, the government sector, we're digitizing everything for, because it results in accuracy, efficiencies, more productivity as a result of that, right. more assurance. Right. So, yes, we are we're trying to use... Uh, digitized, digitized uh, capabilities as much as we can. Yes, we are the government, but, uh, and sometimes we're a step or two behind where the private sector is, but we're always doing our best to play catch-up, and our team uh, at Action Bank is very good at, at getting the capabilities that we need uh, within the bank in order to execute. Uh, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear it because I... I I would get an order that required a letter of credit. I'd say, oh, no, not another one of those. You know, it's, uh, they, they, were, they were torturous, which I think prevented yeah. a lot of companies from doing export business yeah. because it was not dark, dirty, and dangerous. It was just plain dull, expensive, and uh, yeah. uh, cumbersome. So, so thank Understood. you for putting that yeah. up. The world of risk, yep. Lou, right? I mean, everybody's looking to be, you know, de-risked. So. Right. right. Well, Steve, we want to thank you for taking the time um, from your schedule. We know you're incredibly busy. The Exxon Bank at the moment, I think, is booming. I, I applaud your comment that in these more difficult economic times, this is the moment when you should be looking at export, even though uh, there may be a difficult economy in Europe or wherever you're looking to export to, because the export bank can step up and step in and help you get the, in, the guarantees that you need to actually make the transaction work 
that may not work otherwise. So, Steve, thank you for joining us and sharing this incredibly important information out to the manufacturing community. I'm happy to be here, gentlemen. Thank you so much for helping us spread the word to the exporter community. Happy to be here. Uh, well, we're, we're glad to do it. We're glad to do it for our audience. Uh, hopefully that they've acquired some additional knowledge that, uh, to help them in these very trying times. So th thank you for your time. My pleasure, gentlemen. Hope to talk to you Take soon. Care. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. And we've been talking with Steve Renna, who is the Chief Banking Officer of the Export-Import Bank of the United States. And, again, we encourage you to reach out to them. You can reach them at finance at xmexim.gov or call their 800 number at 800-565-3946 or reach them at their website at exim.gov. And while you're surfing the web, stop by jacketmediaco.com where you can find this show, Manufacturing Talk Radio, the WAM podcast, Women in Manufacturing and Business, Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman talking about the economy and manufacturing, Where's Willie as he travels the country and talks to manufacturers on the plant floor, Hazard Girls where we talk about women in unusual roles in industry, and full-time with Amy Nicholas talking on that delicate work-life work balance. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode and all the episodes at Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>